Thanks for tuning in to the Ecclesia podcast. We are a group of people committed to proclaiming the words and doing the works of Jesus and his kingdom. And these podcast episodes are conversations we're having in our community. You can join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Thanks for listening. Last week, we left Jesus by the lake, having just provided two boatfuls of fish, complete abundance. So next, we have um, uh, Jesus then calling some of his disciples to follow him. He heals a leper. He heals a paralytic and forgives his sins. He talks about fasting and keeping the Sabbath, and then he names Like he calls out 12 of the disciples who have been following him and kind of makes them apostles, according to the text, the Luke text. And then after he calls out these 12, we're diving into the text for for today. So I'm just giving you a little bit of heads up. So I'm going to read the text. We'll pray and then we'll dive in. So this is Luke 6, 17 through 26. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people of all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Now I ask that you speak through me or in spite of me. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So this pericope, for those of you who know what that is, I'm going to use it today. Drop that one. Anyway, it is um, known as the Sermon on the Plain. And it's it's an account of blessings and woes. And what it does is it makes plain... Jesus's message of the coming kingdom of God. Not only is it preached on a plane, but, but Luke's account gives it very plainly to us. I'm, I'm really with the words today. Thank you. So before we really dive deeply into the text, there's just a couple of things that I want us to keep in mind as we're walking through this. And the first one is every you in this text is plural. Okay, so we're talking about y'all. For those of us in the South, we can replace all of the yous in this text with y'all. And I think that's important for us to remember because this is not an individual message. This is a corporate message for a community of people gathered around Jesus. I also want us to remember who are the hearers because that's important. 
We have a mixed group. We have a crowd, a multitude, Luke tells us. These are ones who are seeking healing and freedom. They're ones who have left everything. There are those who have been on the outside. They're the poor. They're the hungry. They're the grieving. They're the outcast. And Jesus is speaking blessings on them. And there are also scribes and other religious elite among this crowd. They're listening to critique and to evaluate. They were the ones who would have held all the power and the privilege. And Jesus is speaking woes to them. See, what I think this passage is really showing us is the tension of the already not yet kingdom of God. It's what Jesus is preaching and what Jesus is embodying. And what strikes me most is how the value systems have not changed all that much. What we consider as blessings today, Jesus sees as suffering. And this isn't just true when I talk about this, when I talk about the culture. I'm not just talking about the world, this, the secular world. I'm actually speaking quite directly to the American church. And we'll dig deeper into this as we um, look at the mirror of beatitudes and woes. So Jesus tells us, Bless are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. A few weeks ago, I talked about how the poor was more, was more than just economics, right? Poverty was holistic in the ancient world, and this status kept you on the outside of things. There was no pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You could easily say, blessed are the outsiders who have no chance of being insiders, Conversely, those who were rich were the ones with all of the privilege. It was assumed that they were blessed and always welcomed in. And yet here, they're the ones who are suffering, according to Jesus. Now, it's easy to see the parallel in our culture today, I think. The way we measure success in the American church has a lot to do with how many people and how much money. Congregants are called giving units instead of Imago Dei. (laughs) A successful church is a wealthy church, and Jesus warns against this. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. This comparison begins to reveal that tension that I'm talking about. You're hungry now, but you will be filled. You're full now, you will be hungry. This is a reference to the banquet table of the coming Messiah, the feast that Jesus offers. And Jesus' table is ever-expanding and ever-abundant. Anyone who is hungry is blessed and welcomed. But what about those who are full now? We've forgotten what it is that God truly desires, a broken and contrite heart. Instead, we filled our lives with piety and pride, claiming we have all the answers, publicly stroking our egos and signaling our virtues. Jesus warns against this. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Jesus says that when we grieve, we are blessed. How is that possible? Because God promises to walk with us in grief and suffering. And on the other side of that comes joy, the promise of joy. See, as new creation life people, people of the resurrection, we cannot be afraid of the suffering and the pain and the death because life greets us on the other side. That's the hope that we carry. It's interesting that this Greek word for laugh that's found in this section is the only place it's found in the New Testament. When it appears in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, it implies a sort, a sort of like flippant, ignorant laughter. This isn't laughter of deep joy or happiness. And it reminds me of the American church's hesitancy to face our own tragic history. We're comfortable with an ignorant and surface-level view. And woe to us who justify genocide, slavery, colonization, and discrimination in the name of religious freedom and evangelism, ignoring the pain caused to the victims of our violence. We don't want to learn our history because it's easier to laugh in ignorance. We don't want to learn our history because we're afraid of grief and no one has taught us how to lament. Jesus warns against this. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The ones who are hated, slandered, and (laughs) executed is what I was going to say, but that's not right. Excluded, although, well, execution probably applies here too. They're the ones who will not be satisfied with a system where anyone remains oppressed. These are the people that have internalized the truth that no one is free until everyone is free. These are the true prophets of the Old Testament. This is Jesus. Those who are spoken well of are the ones who keep the status quo. They're the ones who uphold the systems. They're the ones who look good on social media and say all the right things. They're the ones who claim persecution and cry heretic when a true prophet speaks truth to the power that they are upholding and benefiting from. Jesus warns against this. I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, our community here can easily sit in both camps. We are both blessed and cursed. Because the truth is that in a lot of ways, we're the rich. We're the privileged, the insiders, the full, the ones who are able to laugh, the ones who are spoken well of. And we must take this warning seriously. 
These woes have too often been domesticated by the church because a church, because what these woes are asking is for us to lay down our power and privilege and the church has really liked being the ones in power. We've really liked being the ones to say who's in and who's out. We have become accustomed to holding all the privilege. Thank you, Constantine. We could ask ourselves, what's the good news for us in these warnings? It seems like we're being cast aside for our wealth, for our full stomachs, for our laughter. And aren't these good things? Is it bad to seek comfort and wealth for ourselves and for our families? Is it bad to want success? Asks the three. (laughs) And yet, there's grace in being cast down. We're being challenged to examine our self-assurance. Is it based on false values? Why are we seeking wealth and comfort? Why is success so important? Three. What is it costing us? Where have we placed our trust? And hope is not lost. Later on in Luke, we encounter Zacchaeus, who finds redemption and redistributing his wealth. His actions, in fact, bring salvation to his entire household. He's embodying what Howard Thurman calls personal responsibility for the social order. His actions have repercussions for the whole community. And we can position ourselves quite easily with those who are blessed. See, we as a community have intentionally chosen not to take the path of least resistance. We've chosen instead to sit with outsiders. And for that, we have not been spoken well of. (laughs) For moving towards the outsiders, we have become outsiders ourselves. And as we gather around the banquet table that Jesus has set before us, we are still waiting for the coming feast. Our community has experienced quite a bit of grief over the last two years. Death, sickness, broken relationships, saying goodbye to the comforts of a denomination and a lot of certainty that came with that. We've done the intentional work to lean into that grief to take time and space to lament. And yet, the promise of laughter is still just beyond our reach. We are a community of paradox, of both and. We are both insiders and outsiders. We are both full and hungry. We're both lamenting and rejoicing both holy and heretics. And we have a lot of choices before us. We're still figuring out who we are and what it is we stand for. We're still figuring out what our vocation is and where we're called to serve. But one next step is sure. We're about to move into a space in one of the more impoverished areas of our town. And what I don't want to do 
What I don't want for us is to move in to this space with all of our privilege and assume that we know what's best for the Avondale community. I don't want to do that. What I do want for us is to be present, to listen, to watch, to ask questions, to follow, to serve. I don't know exactly how we will move forward, but we must plant our feet firmly on the ground and take the first steps in humility. We cannot pretend we have all the answers, and we also must understand that we have something to offer. We're the body of Christ, nothing more and nothing less. And as the body of Christ, we're called to go to the depths of poverty, of hunger, of grief, of rejection, just like Jesus did. And in the midst of the literal hell on earth, we find the promise and hope of new creation life on the other side. Amen. Let's stand for communion, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Join the conversation by engaging on all the typical social medias and by joining us Sunday mornings at 11. Peace and love to you all.